we are having a summer sundown cloudburst as I speak. Just built a fire here at uh, Bob's Beach, is what we're calling this campsite now. The rain began to pour down, and so uh, I'm just in and out of the rain, just making sure that the fire is going or that the rain has ended because we have a beautiful sunset on one side and a storm on the other. Perfect time to do a podcast and talk about some stuff that I've been thinking about lately during a summer sundown cloudburst. Bob Davis Podcast, 1106. But I do want to mention the guys at 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station in South Minneapolis at 36th Street South and Lindale Avenue South. And it isn't just their independently owned and operated refueling station. It's independently owned and operated refueling stations all over the country. If I might get a shout out, Lonnie, for them uh, as well. And just simply to say that uh, they get a better deal on fuel. They can pass the savings on to customers. Now, oil has been going up and down, but down, generally down, well below what it was uh, in, in, well, last year at this time. So that's great, but, you know, we can all use some extra savings, and that's why independently owned and operated refueling stations are great. Now, what makes 36 Lynn unique is the store with its vast supply of uh, uh, products locally sourced. So they have candy locally sourced, they have all sorts of uh, food locally sourced, and everything else that you need, and people visit just to check out the store. Also, community involvement. They're down with the community. They always have been. And that's what's really cool about them. And a great sense of humor. Check out their Instagram feed at 36lynn. Check them out online at 36lynn.com or click on their banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. One of the things that I have uh, talked about at various times doing these podcasts is how the concept of time changes. So when I first started traveling, the idea was I'm going to continue uh, running my podcast business and doing whatever I do. At the same pace, I'll just be in Mobile Podcast Command traveling. And that is kind of the thing that animated me during that first year of travel, which was just a lot of driving and crisscrossing and going almost bouncing like a... uh, a pool ball on a pool table across here and there like hitting the bumpers and bouncing back over this way and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing until uh, I finally had to stop because uh, fuel prices got too high and I just started to camp and I don't need to belabor that because I've discussed that many many times during that period of time The first sort of uh, inkling that I had that on the road, there's a different time concept than there is when you're back in the world, so to speak, living in a house, going to a job, or attempting to operate a business and function as you would in a job, nine to five or whatever your hours are. Mine tend to be nocturnal. And almost immediately, and I'm not quite sure when it happened, my concept of time started to change. I started to forget what did what day it was. And it didn't disturb me because really it didn't matter what day it was because 
all the commitments that I would have had back in my you know workaday world kind of experience, even as a business owner, were basically eliminated. That first year, I kept business networking via Zoom, and so I, I had those hard points. But outside of those hard points, it was easy to forget what day it was. And it didn't bother me at all because this concept of time and a day, what was a day? Obviously, sundown, sunup, but I often drove at night and I often didn't go anywhere for a day or two. And as time has gone on, I've learned to... I've, I've learned more lore, more road lore, where you go, how long you stay in a place. I've learned that I like national forests better than truck stops and Walmart parking lots. Um, you know, those kinds of things that I've often talked about. But that's really not what I'm talking about in this podcast. That's not really what I'm concentrating on. I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from uh, because this summer and just lately has really been, for me, kind of an extraordinary period of self-reflection. I don't like necessarily sitting in one place. Obviously, extenuating circumstances have you know brought me here earlier than I intended, and you can go back and listen to the podcast that I did when I first got here uh, in April uh, in Wisconsin to uh, review why and how and when. I don't need to go into that here. But as soon as I got down here, so I was uh, up in the shed until May 15th or 16th or so when the snow finally melted uh, into the back way to this uh, area so I could get back here. And I came down to this little spot that is very isolated and right by the water. And I watched this location go from spring early spring with snow still on the ground to the leaves coming out to the bloom to the warmth of the beginning of spring all the way in through the um, summer solstice and the beginning of summer officially uh, in late june and now here i am in late july getting ready to take off and staying in the northern tier until uh after September 15th or 16th or so when I start heading back down to the southwest. And lately it's been a period of of pretty significant introspection thinking about what I did, why I did it, what was involved with the decision to go on the road and what it meant. You see, when you do these things, and I talk to a lot of people who ask questions, why did you do it? What, what, what did you, what are you getting out of it? That's something I've always wanted to do. And I've often said, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, you're really on your own, and and it is a quite unorthodox way to live that frightens a lot of people and makes people sad because they they really can't cope with the concept of uh, of freedom that you arrive at. You come to. A conclusion about freedom and the, uh, the the experience of living on the road and having really no place to live and the ability to if you don't like where you are you just pull up stakes and go somewhere else and there you have to take the good with the bad sometimes uh, good things happen in bad places and vice versa so you're constantly making those kinds of decisions and thinking about 
uh, where you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it. I would say most of the people that I've met on the road are creative in one way or another. Now, just because when I say you're creative doesn't mean that that means that you're writing a play or painting a picture. It often means that somebody who has a particular skill is creative about how they apply that skill to make some money. Uh, there's a guy in uh, Quartzsite on the other side of the LTVA where I stayed that is a really high-quality uh, metal worker, and he lays out all his stuff, and, and uh, you have to get a permit from the BLM to do this, and he helps people with various problems in their RVs that involve metal, putting new steps on or bumpers or whatever people need. I think that's pretty creative. Uh, I talked about the bread lady. Uh, she doesn't like being called that, but Justina uh, uh, Cherry, a good friend of mine, uh, be started baking this phenomenal sourdough bread in Dutch ovens. She's not going to get rich, but it enabled her to get up enough money to do something she really wanted to do, which was to hike uh, some trail in Spain. I don't, I don't, it's a, some kind of a pilgrimage. I don't know what it is, but it's pretty cool. People develop uh, a, a skill, a creative, a, do something that is creative for them. But uh, these things are very, they come about very slowly. And I, and I think also the, there's, a, there's a decision to do it. There's the first blush of the experience, which is very euphoric. It never, I will say this, I don't think it's ever settled down to just life. We were talking the other night, and, and I have, there's, there's a, we have a beautiful cabin about 400 feet from here up the hill. And there are others and other places I could stay inside if I wanted to. I mean, it's a really old cabin. If you've watched YouTube, you've seen parts of it. It's 100 years old, probably. And I was saying, somebody said, why don't you just stay? We call it Unks because it was my ex-wife's uncle's place. So we call it Unks. And they were saying, why don't you just stay at Unks? Go stay because it was raining or something. And I said, you know, oh, it's well, you should stay at Unks. And I said, uh, I can't stay in a cabin. I get really uh, antsy. I get uh, very anxious in a house. And they were just... I mean, they know me. I've lived in houses. But it's it's reached the point where I have camped so long and, and really just opening this door, even though it's raining. Uh, I have this wide open sky above me and I have water directly in front of me and I have things that I couldn't get in a cabin in the same way. Especially when I am out in the middle of nowhere in some national forest in Colorado or Utah or Arkansas or someplace like that. So I've reached a point now where, and I stayed up there during the winter because there was no place. I couldn't, I slept in the truck, but I stayed a lot of times in the house because it was cold. And so I spent, first I caught up on all my TV shows, which are basically worthless. That's the, that's one of the other things that happened is that I used to be just so interested in all these uh, installment 
uh, streaming shows on HBO, and I had memberships to all of them. I was uh, surprised to find out that there was very little that I thought was really worth watching. As soon as it got warm, I came down here, down to the water, as soon as it got warm, as soon as I could. There's, a, there's an adjustment in the concept of time. And then, as time goes on, the layers come off and you start to think about why you did this or why you did that. And this gets back to my point about uh, an unorthodox lifestyle. I didn't want a, I didn't want what would be referred to as a, you know, an unorthodox lifestyle. A house, even to retire to a house and tend the lawn and go have breakfast with my friends at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning and, and, and uh, pine away for the good old days and whatever business that you're in or talk about those who have, haven't made it the usual things that people do when they retire, which I'm not retiring, so I don't see that as part of my life. I wanted to break free from, from all of that, and I did, by becoming a nomad. And when you do that, you take on things. There, there, no decision that you make in life is free of uh, its cost, and so there are costs to doing this. But at the same time, I feel like the, it, the, the benefits far outweigh the costs. And I'll tell you, I think I figured out why, and I'm going to talk about that in the second half of this podcast. One of the things I'm going to talk about in the second half of this podcast is carving out this space for yourself so that, so that you can get time or, you know, I believe time and space are somehow intertwined. They certainly have been in my experience. And part of it sometimes is just needing a place where you can go to sit. I knew a guy that worked uh, at ABC Radio in the go-go 60s. He was a very big executive. And one of the things that he would do uh, when things really got to him is he would go to the uh, Modern Art Museum to the courtyard. And that was up on, uh, I don't know, somewhere around 57th Street. And he would go and sit in the courtyard with the statues and other works of art in utter silence for his lunch hour, just to get a break from the craziness out in the streets and at work. So that was sort of a garden. And if you do not have a garden and you live in town, having one is a huge plus because it's a place where you can clear your head even for 15 minutes sometimes just looking at it from your kitchen window. And to get that without spending a fortune, check out GardenGurusMN.com. They can do it for a lower price. They'll explain why when they talk to you and it's not what you think. <laughs> okay. And the second thing is they're really good at what they do. They do corporate clients. They do like restaurants and other places. They can do potted plants. They can also prepare your garden for you if that's what you're into. And, of course, uh, residential staging and real estate staging. GardenGurusMN.com Anyway, as I said, this has been a period of introspection. Focusing every now and then, coming back every now and then to this idea, this question of well, why did you do what you maybe 
maybe it was a little hasty. Maybe I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have done that. Then I have to go back over the whole decision-making process. One of my favorite stories is that I had decided that to supplement my income, I was going to deliver pizzas. And I had, a, I now, by this point, I had three vehicles. I had this thing, Mobile Podcast Command. I had a 96 Buick uh, Roadmaster wagon that was pristine. Beautiful, beautiful vehicle. And I had my old Crown Vic uh, civilian police interceptor. And I had decided, the day before this happened, I had decided... I think I'm going to take the Crown Vic and just because it's dying anyway, it had like 140,000 miles on it. I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to deliver pizzas because I can probably make a lot of money delivering pizzas. And this is during COVID and I saw a lot of people delivering pizzas and people were ordering them. And I thought, well, you know, this little town that I'm in is perfect. I can deliver pizzas and all will be well. I'll have a little supplemental income. I'll have my podcasts and I can work as much as I want or as little as I want as far as delivering pizzas is concerned. And I knew the town like the back of my hand, so I thought, well, this would be great. Got up the next morning, uh, mowed the lawn, which I've since learned I didn't have to do, but I did anyway. I was renting. And didn't uh, really have anything in my head except uh, the process of mowing the lawn, which I kind of enjoyed. Put the lawnmower away, went inside, started making dinner. And then I thought, huh. And I went back outside and my car was gone. And I was like, did I imagine that this car was parked here? I went to my neighbors. Do you guys? And they were like, yeah, your car's gone. So then the police were called. And to make a long story short, we finally found the vehicle. And we didn't. they didn't address the guy because he ran away from the cops with the car two or three times until he wrecked it. And then he ran away from that. I don't know whether they caught him or not eventually. But here's the thing. Just when I thought that I had arrived at a solution to be able to make extra money, pay my rent, do my podcast, and everything else, somebody stole my car. <laughs> and I sure wasn't going to use the 96 Buick as a pizza delivery vehicle. It was in, it was in such pristine shape. And I wasn't going to use this thing because it would have cost me a fortune because it was diesel. I kind of got pushed toward the final solution, which was, I'm going to dump all this and go out on the road. So I kind of think that uh, it was ordained in some way, shape, or form. But the other thing is that, that you, you, when you're having these introspective moments, you go back and revisit those things. And I can't. I came up upon a conclusion, and 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 I don't. I worry sometimes that I'm rationalizing decisions that I made that might have not have been good decisions. But I don't see how this could have been a bad decision, to be honest with you. Uh, I came to what I think is a really interesting conclusion in all of this. Uh, and, and in order to do that, I'm going to give you a little background about my career uh, working in radio since the time I was uh, 12, 12, 13 years old. And uh, 15, had my first job writing news and, and worked uh, in radio for a long time. Often uh, 14, 15-hour days, especially when I started uh uh, managing, and especially when I started doing talk radio, went back on the air as a talent in the early 2000s, and then proceeded for almost, uh, well, almost 20 years to uh, 
do radio shows and I had a very meticulous work ethic and it took me usually 13 to 14 hours to pull everything together to sift through the news of the day to lay out what we wanted to talk about and then I wrote every show word for word it was an enormous amount of work and then you express it all you go on the air and you express it all for three or four hours and you're expected to just walk away from that without any sort of cool down and I did that for years where there really was no time for a cool down it just uh, you just uh, worked 14 hours a day did the show went home took a short nap and went right back into it five to six days a week this is what I did and I loved it. So fast forward to today, I'm watching YouTube and I run across this video from 10 years ago with Gary Shandling and Tom Petty. Shandling was talking about having to do this show in Las Vegas the night before and how uh, he had always experienced this difficulty getting up for the show, doing the show. And then he couldn't, he had no time to cool down or come down after the show. It took him 12, 15 hours to get down because you get up for a performance and it's it gives you so much adrenaline and so much excitement then you can't come down for many years that's what i did every day when i started traveling the first year was really just just uh, reviewing essentially the emotional experience of those years without even knowing it and, and expunging all of the, or expressing the frustration and the bile and the hard part of the entertainment business, which is fighting for your point of view before you even get on the air. You have to fight. You're always fighting management or somebody who has a different idea, somebody who doesn't like you, somebody who does like you. A lot of what I did by deciding to go out on the road was to get away from all that and then it follows you. And so for the first year, that's why I was ping-ponging across the United States, thinking as I drove and thinking as I drove. Now, almost four years later, being a nomad for this period of time, I've come to the conclusion that uh, there's a new... The, the thing about time, it, it is really a subjective concept. I'm no longer producing and writing and performing um, a radio show every day that's three or four hours long, or in the case of KSTP, when I work there, five hours long every day by myself. And sometimes I think, boy, you're really lazy. You're not doing, you're not working as hard as you used to work. And I think if you live long enough, sooner or later, you come to these conclusions. If you're lucky enough to live long enough, Time is really space. For me, time has been space. And this is one of the great gifts of making decisions for yourself. Doing it because you want to do it. Not because somebody wants you to do it for work. Not because somebody wants you to do it because they love you. Not because uh, you're running away. But because you want to do it. Whatever that is. You manage to... chisel out for yourself space in my case it was being a nomad and the, the fact that time changes the nature of how you define time time changes in this 
this effort this in this pursuit if you will you have space for me it's the space so i got the time because i i don't have the constraints of nor, quote unquote normal life the time has equated to this space looking across a lake looking across a desert valley driving through the yakima valley with the golden oat fields uh, the redwoods being able to have this whole experience of the expanse of my country which is the united states and all its uh glory as well as some of those places that have fallen on hard times for whatever reason and and new uh new pathways of thinking are formed based on that space and that is why i can't sit in a house because I'll get antsy or anxious. I can't. It's hard for me to watch television because it seems flat compared to what I have experienced and what I'm looking forward to experiencing this winter and what I'm experiencing right now. I'm a bit of a, a, a novelty, as it were, uh, out here in the in the out here on Bob's Beach. And it's the, it's the time that has carved out the space because I was willing to make a decision, a forthright decision about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And in so doing, it's people, places, and things have to change. Things, uh, ties have to be cut. They just are, and they do, and they will be. Even if you don't want them to be, they will be. Because you've entered this sort of new uh, dimension I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds uh, like I'm crazy because how can it be? You're in the third dimension. You're in the world, Bob Davis. You're driving around in your truck. You're just not. But it is obviously and strangely a dimensional shift. And, and you're able to see things that nobody else sees. I mentioned my friend Mark and I. Mark's down the, down the way same property and he and I were talking about how we're probably the only two who on a regular basis see this lake at two or three o'clock in the morning when some of the most amazing things happen I woke up the other day and uh, the water was absolute glass and I was watching the eagles which have roosted not far from here or nested or whatever you want to call it there's a bunch of them right here uh, in our trees and they were flying over the water I guess they were fishing but they were also playing with themselves and their reflections in the water and I mean there was four or five of them doing this you never see that uh, I'll be coming down the trail at uh, four or five o'clock well I'll come up and down the trail at sundown and often as I'm coming up the trail, I'll see two or three deer bolt off into the woods. It's just, I'm not a, I'm not a nature freak. Like, I don't, I'm not at, held at, in wonderment at that. But I have seen that there is a completely different world, the, the world of nature, the world of birds and, and uh, animals. They have their own logic. They have their own way of being. They have their own rules. We don't know what they are. We can't talk to them. We can't know what they're thinking. 
but we can observe them when no one else is looking, when they don't think anybody else is looking, and you see what they do. And that's pretty cool. And those are just, you know, it happens out in the desert, it happens in the forests, it happens on uh, lakeshore and various places. But it also is space to think and create. For me, it's a space to create that isn't driven by the tawdry and one-dimensional daily news. Uh, it's plumbing the depths for content that is hopefully deeper and more meaningful to subscribers and listeners uh, certainly with the audio podcasts and with uh, the YouTube people and to people considering whatever your dimensional changes, whatever the decision that you make to gain your freedom to carve out your thing, whether it's a, a she shed in the backyard or renovating the garage so you can work on your car or anything by getting a, a, a cabin going hunting whatever it is that you do that is so essential to sanity that people think you're insane when you do it <laughs> and that's pretty funny so that's what I was been that's what I've been thinking of in this period of introspection getting ready to roll again just a few more things to do uh, I haven't produced a lot of podcasts because, frankly, uh, being stationary to me, uh, I really want to get into the next, the next travel mode, uh, which is going to be heading across to New Hampshire from Wisconsin, so uh, the content can reflect that sense of movement and freedom, and we will do that in future podcasts. I want to tell you that uh, recently I reactivated my YouTube channel. I did a podcast about it don't need to go into too much detail but shockingly it's going really good so if you've gone over and subscribed to the Bob Davis podcasts on YouTube at Bob Davis podcasts uh, thank you if you haven't do so because I'm certainly going to keep creating content for YouTube in either shorts or uh, longer length videos. I'm not sure I'm going to do 25 or 30 minutes at a time, but we'll see. I certainly have a lot of people to thank for donations recently, so let me get to that. Got to thank Brandon Sabata. That's one of the guys that came over from YouTube with a monthly donation of $5. Jeffrey Dunn is the guy that pioneered the monthly donation, $25 a month, and thank you, Jeff. Just recently, uh, Bill Johnson sent me a hundred dollars. Uh, I uh, I don't know Bill, so what's great is some of these guys. You think you know Bill's from Hopkins, and thank you so much for a hundred dollars. That made a big difference for me. Got to thank uh, Michael Murphy from California for twenty dollars. He's also doing an automatic payment, and I really really appreciate that, Mike. Thanks a ton. And again, thank you for subscribing to the Bob Davis Podcast on iTunes. If you want to help me without giving me any money, <laughs> subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to the Bob Davis Podcast YouTube channel. It's different content. I'm not shooting these podcasts while I do them. I'm producing separate content along the same lines on YouTube. So it's fresh content, whether it's a short or whether it is a full-length video. Nothing special. I just set the phone up, make a video, and put it up. And I'm getting great comments and lots of uh, subscribers. And thanks to all of you. And thanks for listening to Podcast 1106, Sundown Summer Club Burst. <gasps> you may find yourself living
Beautiful house with a beautiful wife, and you may ask yourself. 